All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Brotherly Love in the District. It is just me today, Tristan, but I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in. I'll go over some of these subjects in our next episode with Jacob just to get his thoughts on some of these. But I'm just going to jump right in, go give a little rundown of what we're going to go over today, and then I will hop right in and get into the main subjects. So Julio Jones, we're going to go over. I'll go over a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's a little bit of the Eagles mini camp news in there. Uh, we'll then jump into the NHL where the draft lottery has just happened and talk a little bit about some stuff happening on the Flyers organization, talk about some of the struggles that the Caps are going to have to overcome for next season. Then we'll jump right into the MLB, talking about the Phillies and the Nats in their same little rut. Uh, so let's just jump right into it, starting off. Uh, I'm going to talk, going into the NFL, talking about Julio Jones first, and Julio Jones got traded to the Titans. So Julio Jones and a six-rounder go to the Titans in return for a second rounder and a fourth rounder. Big thing for this trade for the Falcons, as they didn't have much cap space to begin with, they free up $15.3 million by giving up Jones to the Titans. So Titans will get 15.3 mil added on to their cap hit and a 32-year-old wide receiver. How much is this really going to help them? I'm not sure because I think the Titans are more of a run-heavy offense. Having Derrick Henry in the backfield being a two-time or two-time in a row leading rushing, uh, leading rusher in the league, and he's just a really stout running back for them all around. And I don't think I don't know if adding Julio will really help will really help them because AJ Brown is yes, I mean he's a stud in himself, and then you add Julio Jones on the other side. That might open up a lane a little bit more for Derrick Henry, but I think they're a running offense, and I don't really know that Julio is going to get many receptions here in this offense with the Titans. So we will see how that plays out. The Falcons are now down to just Calvin Ridley at receiver. They did add Kyle Pitts in the draft, though, and Kyle Pitts is supposed to be a tight end and a wide receiver. He can line up anywhere on the field. So we will see where that works out for the Falcons. But I'm really interested to see how this will escalate for the Titans because they're in a really tough conference, not even a division, just like even in the division, they got a little bit of competition. You got the Colts in there, the Jaguars who are trying to make some strides. Not this year. I don't think the Jaguars will be competing for anything this year, but maybe in the next couple of years with Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, who knows, maybe Tim Tebow will make a little, make a little push for being a good tight end. Uh, but you got the Colts who are going to be putting up big numbers too. So I think in order for Julio to have won something, he might've wanted to stay in the NFC, but I don't blame the Falcons for not wanting to trade him within the NFC because then that might come back to bite them in the butt. So uh, I think that overall, I think the Falcons will have to see where these picks go because they aren't going to be in effect for a couple years. But I think being that Julio Jones is 32 on the back end of his career and being in now a run-heavy offense, I think the Falcons might have gotten the, the better end of this trade, being that they lost 15.3 in cap space or gained 15.3 in cap space, maybe sign another receiver to help Ridley out and keep the field open for Kyle Pitts. Uh, 
Brooks. And then another thing that has been happening lately is looks like Jordan Love is going to be starting for the Packers in week one as Aaron Rodgers is still said he will not report to and did not report to mandatory mini camps. So it looks like he's really done in Green Bay. Doesn't look like he has any aspirations of coming back. So we will see what happens there. I think this will really be the last nail in the coffin for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And what I'm more curious to see is what the Packers do and what Aaron Rodgers will do with that. Because I think if you're the Packers, yeah, he's not coming now, but I don't see the Packers trying to trade him. And come week one, if you have a future Hall of Famer versus a second-year quarterback who hasn't played a single snap in the league, I don't know if you're really going to be looking at that and go, yeah, let's go with the second-year quarterback. You're, gonna, you're obviously going to start your Hall of Famer. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to play the game. I think he still wants to play. I think he's trying to get out of Green Bay, but I don't think Green Bay wants to get rid of him. And I think overall that this is Aaron Rodgers will stay in Green Bay. And I think that he will play in Green Bay, even if he doesn't get traded. I think he'll still play because I don't see him not wanting to play the game. Uh, but with that, the mini camps did end for the Eagles and the Washington football team. And a couple, two bigger, bigger side notes with the Eagles mini camps is that it has been stated, and I know that. Nick Sirianni has said that every comp every position has a competition, but there are some positions you look at and you're kind of fate leaning towards one person starting over another. So like you, you look at the quarterback position, you obviously are leaning towards Jalen Hurts starting over Joe Flacco. Uh, you're leaning Brandon Brooks looks really good at guard coming off his torn Achilles. So he's looking really good there leaning towards being a starter. Uh, Darius Slay will obviously start corner, so you got those. But one of the bigger questions going into mini camps and going into this next season on the offensive line is who's going to be the left tackle? You have Jordan Mailata, who is an absolute freak of nature, who had strapped on a helmet for his first time in his life three years ago, coming over from Australia playing rugby. And he turned out to be a really good tackle uh, in the seventh, who was drafted in the seventh round, taking over a lot for the hurt Jason Peters. So we will see how – we saw how we played last season and how well it turned out for the Eagles having a nice little backup there. But one of the big things is who would now start, Jordan Mailata or Andre Dillard. And my belief was, and what I was hearing around, was that it would be Jordan Mailata's role to lose. Like Jordan, Jordan Mailata should be claimed the starter, and it would be his job to lose. Andre Dillard said he's going to battle even if he doesn't get that starting job, which is good because not that doesn't only make Dillard better, but that will also make Jordan Mavada better and everyone else around him better because everyone will be competing for that same job. So even if – but that has been said that they will be battling for the starting left tackle position, which will be huge for both of them. Uh, another one, another interesting point that I heard was that Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager were both getting reps with the running backs, which leads me to think that maybe the Eagles are going to go into a more Rams-type offense, where 49ers-type offense, both of those, where it's kind of like a lot of trying to move people around, a lot of motion, getting a, getting a couple reverses going. So maybe they're going to try to get Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager involved in the run game more, especially with Jalen Rager having that speed that he does. So we will see 
if that'll change up our offense a little bit from what we've been seeing for the past couple of years. With that, uh, that's about it for the NFL. Nothing really major happening right now. So I'm going to jump over into the NHL. And I also wanted to talk a little bit about the playoffs, which we will get into. But first, I will go over, just go over a couple of the big points before we go into the playoffs. And first off, the draft, draft lottery did happen, and it has been concluded. Uh, the Sabres will get the first pick. The Seattle Kraken moved up and are going to get the number two pick. Uh, the Flyers will get the 13th pick because they did have the 14th, but the Coyotes had to give up their pick. So the Flyers moved up a pick with that. Uh, so the Flyers will get the 13th pick. The Capitals were not involved in the draft lottery because they made the playoffs. The draft lottery is kind of, it's kind of a pick your poison because you clearly want to make the playoffs, you clearly want to battle for the cup. But at the same time, if you do make the draft lottery, you could get a number one pick out of it although it is very slight chance. The Flyers only had a 1.8% chance of getting the first pick. So the Flyers will end up with the 13th pick there. Uh, then a couple of things going on with the Flyers. Oscar Lindblom is a Masterton Award finalist after his battle with cancer last year, coming back to play the last two games in the bubble for the Flyers against the Islanders in the second round of the playoffs. Uh, so we got to play those two games. And he came back this year playing 50 of 56 games. And he did struggle a little throughout the season. He had 14 points in 50 games, but you could see the way he was playing. He just didn't look like he was really ready to play. Uh, so, but he was coming off cancer. He played amazing for battling the way he did and coming off. Uh, Elaine Vigneault knew that he was going to have some trouble. So he did like, as he noticed that he was struggling, he took him off for a couple games and sat him and then sent him back out. And he went out and scored two goals after sitting out, scored two goals in his opening game after sitting out. So he is a Masterton finalist along with Patrick Marlowe and Matthew Dumba. Matthew Dumba being from the Minnesota Wild for his partake in the Black Lives Matter movement and moving towards less racism in the hockey world and Patrick Marlowe for his lengthy, lengthy career. He now passed Mar Gordie Howe in the most games played. So uh, we will see who gets there. I think Oscar Limbaugh could have a pretty good shot. Um, and then the a little bit lesser, not really Flyers, but still Flyers related because it is in the organization. After the Phantoms, and Scott Gordon, who was a Flyers head coach when Dave Hackstall, Dave Hackstall got fired. After they mutually decided to part ways, the Flyers have decided to add on Ian LaPerriere, who did play for the Flyers for a little bit as a player. Uh, he is now going to be the Phantoms head coach. He knows the system down there. He knows the way that the team wants to be run in the NHL. So hopefully he can keep breeding those players well coming up into the NHL uh, and then going on over to the caps one thing that uh, you start to see here is how the caps are going to be struggling over the offseason the caps have 79.79 million taken up in their cap space and it has been said it's known it's a fact 
that the cap will remain flat at $81 million going into this next season. And that's really going to hurt the caps because Ovi is off of his contract. So he's going to need to be re-signed. Ilya Samsonov will need to be re-signed. And so they could be losing some big pieces. The GM of the caps has said that he wants to get younger. So maybe we'll see kind of youth movement, maybe shipping out some of the older guys, bringing in some younger guys. And they're going to lose a player to the Kraken in the expansion draft. Maybe TJ Oshie, maybe Kuznetsov. We'll have to see what goes on there. Uh, so they could be m- losing multiple big pieces. And the GM has says that he's willing to trade anyone as long as it makes sense. So it sounds like no one is safe in Washington. And if they get the right pieces that they could maybe be going, maybe not necessarily into a rebuild, but maybe a retool and trying to stay competitive, but also trying to fix their team up in the process. Uh, With that, let's go on over and we'll talk about the playoffs as that is clearly happening. So you got a couple big stories here. So one, the Canadians swept the Jets, 4-0 series. That was a big series in and of itself. I really didn't expect this to go this way. I was expecting a nice like six, seven game series here. And I thought the Jets would win because Montreal, I felt just slipped past the Maple Leafs. So I thought this would really make them like tired in going into the second round, especially with the Jets beating the Oilers very quickly, giving the Jets some nice rest time. But it was the completely opposite. Canadians will now represent the North Division. In the, semi, in the semifinals, uh, they beat the Jets 5-3, 1-0, 5-1, and 3-2. So some pretty dominant wins in there, really showing them that they were there to play. Uh, Vegas and the Avalanche are still playing. In game six tonight, they will play at nine. Vegas does lead the series 3-2. Uh, after a rough start for the Golden Knights, Going down 2-0 in the series with the Avalanche winning the first game 7-1, it really didn't look good for the Golden Knights. But they really bounced back, had a couple of good wins, a 3-2 win, a 5-1 win, another 3-2 win in overtime from a goal from Mark Stone. And they will play tonight. We will see what goes on there with how the Golden Knights will battle against the Avalanche. And hopefully, I want to see the Avalanche win. I... I don't have anything against the Golden Knights, but I also think that the Avalanche, who haven't won much in a while, have a really good team, and I can see them going on, and I did pick them to win in my bracket. Uh, The Hurricanes fall to the Lightning 4-1, to and I think this was a shock. Although the Lightning are a good team, they had Nikita Kucherov coming back and Stamkos coming off the injuries, so they were getting a lot of people back, and they showed that as the defending Stanley Cup champions, they still want to be in this contention and don't want to be looked past. So they absolutely dominated the Hurricanes in a 4-1 series win, which I didn't expect. I thought the Carolines being fast would beat the Lightning, but the Lightning will be representing the Central Division in the semis. And then the another kind of turn of events, uh, the Islanders defeated the Bruins last night 6-2 to win the series four to two in games in six games. So the Islanders are your East division chance. So as of right now, looking at the teams in the playoffs, 
the Golden Knights or the Avalanche, whoever wins. Let me bring up the standings real quick so I can get the lead. Uh, the whoever wins the Golden Knights or the Avalanche, they will be playing the Canadians because they you're now going by points percentage. So it's going to be the number one teams versus the worst team. So it'll be Colorado or Vegas, whoever wins the series. It's 3-2, Vegas, they play tonight, Thursday night. Uh, they will be playing the Canadians. And then the Islanders will be playing Tampa. So it looks like we're still going to have – you still could have an East-East matchup. If Montreal wins and get the Islanders and – Islanders and or the Lightning, that could be an East East Stanley Cup matchup, which is what I want to see because I don't know if I'll ever see that again in my lifetime. I've never seen it in my lifetime. And I think that makes for some pretty interesting hockey. And you're going to be getting some interesting hockey now that going into the semis, you're getting teams who haven't seen each other at all this season. So everyone's going into this looking, everything's going to be a mystery now. All you've seen is tape. All you've seen is what the other teams are doing against the teams in their division. So we'll see what goes down here. The Islanders and Tampa Bay doing a rematch in the comp in the conference finals. So we will see if Tampa can slay the Islanders again. And we'll see if Montreal, I kind of want to jump on the Montreal bandwagon here going in. I mean, Montreal is really taken, taken it into their own hands and making everyone who doubted them look take a second look because Montreal has made it farther than I think anyone expected. So Colorado versus Colorado or Vegas versus Montreal and Tampa versus New York. And then that will lead into the Stanley cup finals. So we're getting pretty close to the end there in the NHL and we will see how that plays out. And with that, I am going to jump on over to the MLB Got a couple notes for the Phillies. Um, Kingery, who was being a bench player, after batting one for 19 in his time up in the MLB, he is being dropped back down to the minors. And with him dropping down to the minors, the Phillies will bring up Luke Williams, from who was on the Olympic team. And he was going to go to Japan to play with the Olympic team, but since he got the call up to the big leagues, he decided against that. So he's on the Phillies. And he made an immediate impact, helping the Phillies who have, who were struggling a little bit with some injuries and batting totally. Uh, pitching is still a little iffy, but he makes an immediate impact coming into a one nothing game and Andrew McCutcheon walks against Atlanta. This is Wednesday night, so yesterday, June 9th. He comes into a game uh, with Andrew McCutcheon walking to first base and as the rookie comes up, he gets a ball he likes and hits a two-run walk-off homer in his starting debut, which as I was watching this, I was, I was looking at my phone, watching this as it was go down, and I was sitting there, I'm like, it'd just be great if the rookie here got a two-run walk-off homer against the Braves. And sure enough, and I think the Braves and the Phillies have kind of a, kind of a nice rivalry there. So this is... This is a nice uh this was a nice little win for him. And hopefully this will be first of many for him, first of a good long career in Philadelphia, as some of their players who have been up and down haven't really been playing out well. So 
we'll see how the young guy fares up in the big leagues. But we are stepping up as we have gone 5-5 in the last 10. We've won the last two games straight. We've gotten two straight series wins against two divisional rivals, which is huge because now we are only three and a half games back from the Mets who are in first place at 30 and 24. We The Phillies are now in 30 and 31 in second place. Atlanta, 29 and 31 in third place, four games behind first place. Washington, who has been struggling quite a bit, they're still stuck in that rut. They're not really, they're not really getting the bats they need, not really getting the pitching they need. They're just kind of hanging out there with Miami. Washington, 25 and 33 at seven games behind the division leader. And Miami, 26 and 35, seven and a half games behind the division leader. At this point, this division is so bad. The teams under the Mets have a better shot of catching the Mets to win the division than they do of even making a wild card. And there's still a long way to go. We're only 60-some games in, depending on what team you're on. Uh, so there's still a lot of baseball to be played. But the Phillies, looking like they could be doing a little bit better. They just got Bryce Harper back, who has been let, making it known that he's feeling healthy again. Uh, and Didier Gregorius has been ramping up his recovery and should be returning next week. So the Nationals still kind of struggling. The Phillies coming off some injuries, hoping to start to step it up to maybe push towards that first place spot. Still three and a half games behind. Still a lot of b- baseball to be played. And we will, I'll give you the, the Phillies got a little, a rough little schedule coming up as they have the Yankees in a two game series, the Dodgers in a three game series and San Fran in another, in a three game series. And then going back, coming back home for Washington. So that's going to be a little bit of a rough trip and Washington will be starting out. They won't be starting out tonight as their game got postponed, but they're starting out with the first place San Fran, San Francisco Giants in a three-game series. Then they will stay home for Pittsburgh. And then they are the Mets will be coming to them again. And then they got that two two-game series against Philadelphia. So two rough schedules for both teams, but I think the Phillies might be able to catch a couple wins here. Uh, the, the one thing, again, about the Dodgers that's really going to be tough for the Phillies is their pitching. They got Clayton Kershaw, uh, Bueller, Bauer. They got some tough pitchers, and the Phillies are really going to be tested at their bat at what they're going to be able to do here going into the rest of the month here in June. So with that, I am going to end it off here. I know this was a little bit different because Jacob wasn't here. But I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to try to go over a couple of these bigger notes with Jacob in the next one uh, and talk a little bit more about what's going on there. Uh, So with that, I am going to end it off there. You guys can follow us on our Instagram at BLNTheDC. DM us. You can email us at BLNTheDC at gmail.com. You can watch our videos on YouTube where you're going to see the stream of us talking to each other and see everything that's going down there. Uh, and I think with that, I am going to go ahead and get out of here. So we will see you guys next time. Adios.